Alrighty, welcome back to Brojo Online. Today we're going to be looking at entrepreneurship, specifically a step-by-step guide to setting up your own service-based business. So this is going to be a very practical episode of Entrepreneurs. This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity. So I wanted to give you all a no-hype, no-bullshit approach to building your own business based on providing a service. And I wanted to do it in a very honest way to scare off all the wannabes. There are too many people, I think, who start a business in a naive way and don't realize that they don't really have what it takes or they're not cut out for it, at least not yet, and uh, end up you know, doing themselves a lot of financial harm, which is unnecessary. There's no reason why starting a business should hurt you financially. And I want to prove that to you today. But you're going to get a lot of ads in your Facebook feed and so on and so forth promising you instant wealth and easy wins. And that's just not what's going to happen. If you want to start a business based on providing a service, it is going to be a long, hard growth process. And you have to have the stamina and the will and the bravery to go through that process. Anyone can do it. It takes only a basic level of intelligence to start a business with the right mentorship and the right guidance anyone can do it as long as they provide something of value but having the balls to do it and having the humility to learn what you need to learn as you go about it not everyone has that so i really want to make sure that anyone thinking about starting their own business knows what they're getting themselves into and can make a call about whether they're better suited to be an employee so I think I've labeled the title of this podcast something with six figures because that generally is what attracts people to a piece of content. But I want to emphasize that the money is but a small part of it. In fact, you could be making a high six or seven figures and still not be turning a profit, in which case your business isn't worth shit. Or you could be making under six figures a year but taking all the money home as a profit and therefore you're actually richer than a millionaire in a sense or someone making millions of dollars of revenue. So I don't want you to get too caught up in the numbers game because the money side of it is actually more about mathematics and managing your budget than it is about making lots of revenue. You can actually provide for your family and sustain yourself on what looks like small revenue if you budget extremely well. So we'll talk a lot about that today. But I just had my first six-figure revenue year. um, And I'm destined to grow by about another 20% this year. And it's been going up 20% or so every year. And it took me about five or six years to get here. And I think I represent the norm. Uh, if you're going to go hard out in this business, you're going to give it everything you've got, then be prepared for it to take five to ten years to really come to fruition. If you are not prepared for that, then you shouldn't be getting into business because you should really only be getting into business because you want to do it forever. If you just want a quick paycheck, then... Go be a stripper or something. Starting a business isn't for you. This is for a service business, meaning you don't necessarily sell physical products, or at least that's not the primary um, thing that you offer. A service-based business means that people pay you for your time. You are providing a service or for recordings of you providing that service. So we're talking about performance artists, coaches, consultants, physiotherapists, masseuses, Everything like that, where you show up and it's basically you're selling 
some skill that you offer to others. As opposed to products, which are things you can buy off the shelf, things that you can sell even while you're asleep. Okay, This is for the service-based people. That being said, even if you are in the products business, if you're in it for like genuine reasons, you're not just there to make money, but you're trying to provide value to people, then a lot of what we talk about today is going to apply to you as well. There might be just some specific things that really only apply to a service-based business. So what I'm going to do today, I'm going to identify the key problems that I see most people face when they start a business and how to overcome those. And this will also apply, I keep saying start a business, but this will also apply to anybody who's been in business for a while um, but hasn't quite figured out how to make it grow successfully yet. We'll cover a lot of that. The first thing I want to point out that the key is in the title, service business. Always aim to serve. If you can do that, if you can provide value to somebody's life, then you can build a service-based business. And that is, in fact, the only thing you need to do to build a service-based business. You don't need complicated online sales funnels and emails and websites and all the shit that everyone will have you believe that you need. You just need the ability to provide value to people. That's all. Okay, you need very little. You can have very low expenses running a service-based business. You just need the minimum required to provide your service. You don't actually need to pay anything for marketing. Nothing at all. In fact, people paying for marketing is usually a cop-out. They're too scared to reach out and provide service directly, so they're hoping something passive like advertising will prevent them from having to do that uncomfortable social interaction. The fact is, your ability to do that uncomfortable social interaction is what your business depends on. Advertising is a very poor means of marketing for a beginner service-based business. The best thing you can do is provide that service. I really want to emphasize that because once you understand that, that's about all you need to understand. You won't need to waste money on advertising and stuff like I once did. What does it mean to serve? It means to provide value in someone's life. Anything from a compliment through to 10 years of high-paying coaching and everything in between. you got to understand that people paying you for your service is one milestone on the spectrum of the value that you provide. Before someone becomes your client, there will be a range of services that you provide. And then once they pay you, they get an even higher quality range of services. But the services don't start when they pay you. You are in service from the beginning, from the beginning of your relationship with them. If you understand that, you understand the money side of things is just a point along the highway. It's not the whole picture. Then you'll be able to build this business. So really what it's all about is building valuable relationships. Relationships where somebody gets value from interacting with you in your field. One of my coaches put it to me best. He said, if you want to have a great coaching business, make sure that when someone thinks of coaching, they think of you. Make sure that the, the service you provide for them is so valuable that when they do finally decide they want coaching in their life, if they ever do, you're the only person they'll bother to think of because nobody else will have, had, because nobody else will have served them as valuably up to them. So I want you to think about it for your particular thing. If you're a physiotherapist or a masseuse or you're a singer or a songwriter, whatever it is that you do, you want to get to the point where the people in your circle, in your database, in your collection of relationships, 
when they want what you do, they're only going to think of you because you've been of such valuable service to them thus far. That is the secret to building this business. You don't need any sales funnels or fancy marketing tricks to make this happen. Now what we'll talk about is there's different approaches for different personality types. For example, if you're more introverted, then you're looking more at doing things online, using what's called content, you know, creating resources for people, usually free of charge to begin with. Your kind of service will be done like that. Whereas if you're more extroverted, we're talking about meetings and events, interacting with people in person, live, and providing your service that way. And the best business, of course, is somebody who's able to combine both. The introvert who learns to do the extroverted stuff as a kind of icing on the cake and vice versa for the extrovert. What we've seen with coronavirus and lockdown and everything like that is you need to have the ability to apply your service no matter what happens. You need to be able to do it if you're locked at home, but you also need to be able to do it if your internet gets shut down. Okay, so start thinking now of which one you'd be more inclined towards. Do you like to kind of hide in the shadows and throw your service out at the world? Or are you someone who likes to be out in front and in the spotlight and putting on a show? And understand, well, you need to do both. So you're going to exploit your strength, but you're also going to develop your weakness so that you can survive anything that happens to your business. But the way we're going to structure this particular podcast session is we're going to look at about six or seven of the biggest barriers that I see people having to starting and growing a service-based business and tackle how to overcome those barriers. Like I said, this is going to be a very practical episode. I'm not really getting into the deep and meaningful psychologically here, but more the how-to. But the how-to is about overcoming psychological barriers, so it's going to be a mixture, I guess. So here are the ones we're going to cover today. Number one, lack of market research. In other words, trying to provide a service that no one wants or needs. Number two, neediness for money or poor management of money. That's a big one. It's actually, I think, the top cause of businesses failing is, you know, running out of money. Number three, lack of skill or arrogance. Number four, the inability to receive. This is where it's more psychological, imposter syndrome or self-worth issues, doing everything for free because you don't think it's worth anything, that kind of thing. Number five, the fear of being noticed or the fear of being disliked, people-pleasing and the avoidance of putting your name out there. Number six, distraction of instant gratifications and easy methods like building a website or Shiny object syndrome, you know, chasing after every new idea instead of doubling down on the ideas that work. And number seven, limiting yourself on who's allowed to be your clients. For example, thinking only strangers can be clients and not ever talking to your friends or family about what you do. So those are the main ones I see holding people back because anyone can run a business, like I said, but if they can't get past these barriers, their business is going to fail. So let's start with lack of market research. There's a guy I know, he's a nice enough guy, and he's tried to start his own business as a spiritual counselor, and his business has gone exactly nowhere. And there's a reason for this, is because he hasn't done his market research and tried to figure out what people want, he's trying to give them what he thinks they need, and that is not how you start a business. Fact is, what he's doing could be high demand, but the way he's doing it is the approach of, I've decided what you need and here it is, rather than going, you tell me what you want and need and I'll provide it. 
So first, you, you have to get clear on what you want to create. As your service-based business, what service do you initially want to provide? What's the first draft? What would you love to do? What do you feel that you're good at? What are you passionate about? What kind of problems do you want to solve for people? What problems have you solved for yourself that you can show other people how to solve? You want to start with that, but then you have to test the market. In a very practical sense, you need to find at least 10 people who really want what you've provided or are planning to provide and would pay for it. I actually did this at the start. I was coached into doing this. I reached out to 10 people at my work and said, you know, can I please interview you? And I went and interviewed them about what they would want from a coach. I knew already that coaching existed as an industry, but there are a lot of different types of coach, and most of them are just cookie-cutter idiots, right? They're not worth paying for. So I want to see, like, if you were going to pay for coaching, what, what would it have to do for it to be worth paying for? What, what problems would it need to solve? What, what value would it need to provide? And so I went and interviewed 10 people, and their answers, there were, like, clear themes. At least seven of them wanted X, and eight of them wanted Y, and none of them wanted Z. So I started to see exactly what kind of coaching I could provide, and it was a little bit different to what I thought I should provide. And then I kept doing this research and continue doing it to this day. I'm constantly honing what do people actually want help with, and learning to discard and have acceptance that sometimes the things I think they need, they have no interest in, and so there's no point in me actually pursuing that. So you need to make sure that your draft idea of what service you want to provide is actually going to meet with a niche of people who want it and would pay for it. There's other ways you can do this. You can find other people are doing it that you would be similar to. You can see how it plays out for them. But either way, before you really get into this, or as you get into it, I should say, make sure you're providing something that people actually find valuable. Let's say, for example, you're doing massage therapy. Now, a lot of people want massages, but what type of massages do they want? If you're going to come in there and throw lawn darts at them, maybe they wouldn't pay for that. But if you're going to give them a Thai massage with oil, maybe they would pay for that. So you've got to understand, like, what is it that people actually want? And this is done by researching. You've got to go ask the people you'd like to work with, what would you pay for? What's valuable to you? What service do you want that you can't find and wish was provided? That being said, anything can work. There's an example of a guy, I might include the link in the show notes. I can't remember his name, but he fascinates me because all he does is stare at people and he gets paid thousands of dollars to do this. He holds massive seminars where he just sits in silence, where he just sits in silence on the stage and stares at people. So if he can make that work, anything can be made to work anything that people can find valuable. So you just got to understand, whatever it is that you do, you need to find a way for it to provide value to people. So even my friend who I mentioned before, spiritual mentor, it's not that he's got the wrong ideas, he just hasn't found a way to provide value to people in a way that they want. He needs to adjust to that. So first you've got to find what value people are looking for, rather than assuming what you want to do is valuable. And then you're looking to kind of fill the gap what is what needs or problems do they have that are not being serviced? That's the best kind of business, really, where your skills and passions line up with a gap in the market, something that's not being provided for. 
For example, you might think a coach is very much, the market's flooded with coaches, right? But a coach on helping people pleasers live with integrity, that is very rare. And so I've found that gap in the market and become that person. I filled the need that people go 10 years, 20 years without being able to find support. I've had people get counseling and therapy for five years and then have a single session with me and go, that was better than all the counseling and therapy I've ever had. It's because nobody has provided for this particular need. Nobody's become a master of providing integrity for people pleasers. So I found that gap and I filled it. And it also works very well for me. That's what I want to do and it's what I'm good at. So you've got to find that for yourself. Now at the start, you won't really know what it is, but you can start doing that market research right from the beginning and constantly adjusting your service to what people actually want and need. And I don't mean compromising your values and doing something you don't even like, but taking what you like and honing it to become something that people find valuable. Right? Start with your passion, but then meet the audience where they're at. So that's the first problem. If you don't do that properly, your business won't get off the ground because nobody's going to pay for something they don't want. Second one, neediness for money and poor management of money. Statistically true to say that about 8 out of 10 businesses fail within their first five years and the number one reason they fail is that they run out of money. Now people actually know this and knowing this doesn't help them because it makes them incredibly needy for money. When people get needy for money in a service-based business, they start to make poor decisions that hurt them financially even further and then of course aggravates the neediness. A great example for this was at one point in time I got really desperate for money so I discounted my prices and lowered my sort of bar of quality for who I'd work with. What this meant was I filled up my calendar with low-paying clients who I didn't enjoy working with. And then there was no room for high-paying clients that I would enjoy working with. So I actually made my business suffer because I didn't have the patience and the, and the kind of fortitude to find those better clients. And dialing the clock back, I'd got myself into the poor situation by mishandling my expenses early on in the business. I'm telling you right now, you can survive on the most pitiful revenue if you're smart with money. Neediness for money is usually caused by mismanagement of your budget. Once you manage it properly, and a lot of employees don't know how to do it because they're not taught that. You just get given a paycheck, you can do whatever the hell you want with it. The paycheck's going to come again next week or next month. As an entrepreneur, you don't know when the paycheck's going to come, and it might not come for a long time. You have to manage your money differently. You can't just blow a big win because you might not get another one for a long time. You need to eke it out. But when you become needy about money, you start to focus more on getting rather than providing service. And that is really the theme of the poor decision making. The more needy you are for money, the more you need to focus on serving people rather than trying to get clients. Anybody in the service-based business trying to get clients is almost doomed to fail. Because they'll feel it. You're not providing a service, you're trying to take from them. Why the fuck would they pay you to take from them? Who would do that? Only poor fit clients are going to do that. Only people you wish you never worked with are going to do that. The kind of people you want to work with, the people who want to reciprocate, the people who want to pay you because you've been of value to them, well, first you've got to be of value to them, which means you've got to provide service. Take your money away from building your website and buying your business cards and your Google ads. 
and keep that for your survival while you just serve people using your body and mind for free. In the elite of poor quality clients, you'll scare away good clients. So neediness for money digs a hole that you just keep digging deeper and deeper. So you need to focus on service without obligation. Giving freely, but always qualifying. So always giving to the people who are best to give to. I don't mean that they're the richest or most likely to pay, but the people you most want to help and work with, the people who may do the best with your service that is available. For example, if I'm a coach, there are some people who are really needy for coaching, but they won't do anything with it. They're still in the victim mindset. They won't take actions. They won't improve their life. They'll just overwhelm themselves with information and then blame me that it didn't work. I could work with people like that. I could discount my prices and beg and plead to have people like that work with me. Or I can search for people who impress me. People when I have a single session with them, they transform their life in the following week. And they're more than willing to pay me for that service because it's fair. So if I keep my calendar open for people like that, I'm going to do better for my business than if I fill it up with people who are actually going to suck me dry. So who's your ideal clients? Because you've got to look for them and serve them. An ideal client doesn't mean that they're going to pay, though that's part of it. Really, the ideal client is the kind of person you love to work with who puts your service to good use and makes it worthwhile. Now, as for the money side of things, there's two books you really need to read before you start a business. The first one is I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. And the second one is Profit First by Mike Michalski, I think his name is. Michalowicz? Michalowicz. Mike Michalowicz. Profit First. Those two books are going to give you everything you need to manage your personal and business finances. And I wish I had read them both before I started my business and fucked myself financially, which I'm still recovering from, but definitely recovering from. So before you get into business, you need to be confident that you know how to manage a budget, that you will treat your income with respect and take good care of it no matter what happens, that you can live in a minimalist way by the most basic means. You know, you should be able to get by on very, very little before you start a business. And you should have the mental fortitude to not go out and splurge whenever you get a paycheck and not waste your money on shit like cars and clothing until your business is very, very successful financially. Basically, you should be living like you're at risk of going homeless until you're at least making six figures a year. I wish I had, but now that I do, I'm very minimalistic now. I'm very careful. I never spend more than what I've got available for expenses. I put money aside for my taxes. I pay myself a profit first to make sure that I can reduce my expenses if I can't be profitable and so on. And I learned all this from those two books. So make sure you know how to manage money before you start a business or you are going to ruin your business. Not because it's not, not because it's not profitable, but because you're not. Okay. Your business being profitable comes down to your management of money. It does not come down to how much revenue you create, or at least mostly doesn't. Okay, next problem, lack of skill. You might think you're brilliant at what you do, but if you're just starting your business, that means you're at the bottom, okay? There are people out there who have been doing it for 40 years, and they are fucking masters of it. I'm not saying you should compare yourself to them. What I'm saying is that you need to constantly be building your mastery, which means you have to constantly be humble 
about your current level of skill. People will pay very high rates for the best. So you can either be someone who provides an average service for average money to average clients, or you can build your mastery to the point where you work with the top at the top rates and everybody feels that it's a brilliant service and it's valuable. Because there's a hard truth. If you offer your service to someone and they say, I can't afford it, what they're really saying is, I don't think you're worth it. Now that doesn't necessarily mean you're unskilled, but it does mean that you weren't skilled enough to help them part with their money. Okay, And that's the thing that I'm always learning from. There are still people to this day who tell me they can't afford me. And I do charge a fair pretty penny for what I do. But what they're really saying is that I wasn't brilliant enough for them to do what it takes to afford me. To get a loan or to put money aside or sell extra shit that they don't need. Whatever it is that they need to do to afford me, I wasn't worth it. So I'm always learning. I'm always training. As I'm doing this podcast, I'm part of a coach training course yet again, even though I've been doing this for six years and I was a probation officer for like seven years before that, I'm still trying to become a better coach. So you should always be seeking critical feedback on your service. What could I improve about it is something that your clients should hear often. But just your clients and your coaches, no one else. Don't ask people who don't know what they're talking about for criticism. Your lack of skill or your improvement of your skill will come from people who are either receiving your service or are the masters of what you provide and they're your mentors and coaches. Everybody else you can just ignore. What your family have to say about it, what people who don't pay you have to say about it, you can ignore all of them because they don't know. Aim to improve by 1% every single week. Have part of your week dedicated to your development of your service, to your mastery. It doesn't mean becoming a jack-of-all-trades. Like if you're a massage therapist, it doesn't mean learning every single massage technique available. But it means becoming the best Swedish massage therapist, you know. If you're a guitar player, it doesn't mean learning every song there is and every technique it is. It means becoming the best Spanish classical modern guitar player. And by best, I don't necessarily mean comparison with others. But... Getting to a level where if someone gets your service, they're blown away at how awesome it is. It's the best for them. Right? So practice, practice, practice. The key to this business, whatever service it is that you provide, a majority of your time should be spent providing it, even if that means at the start you don't charge money for it. I coach two people for six months. That's an hour and a half each per week for six months. Totally free. All they had to do was give me a testimonial at the end and some feedback. Because I knew that while I built this business, the most important thing I had to be doing was coaching. That's the only point. It's the only thing you should be doing. So if you're a massage therapist, most of your week should be spent giving people massages. Because it's part of your practice and it's the best way for you to provide and show the value of your service. You don't need to tell people you're a good misuse. Just massage them. They'll find out on their own. I don't tell people I'm a good coach. I just coach them. They figure it out for themselves. Whatever it is, your service that you provide, make sure that most of your time is spent filling the gaps in your calendar with people where you can actually provide the service to them, even if you don't charge for it on the first go-round. Next problem, the inability to receive. It's a weird thing. People go into business really, really wanting to do well, wanting lots of money, whatever it is that they want. 
And then when it comes to them, they push back on it and they avoid it. They have the imposter syndrome. They're scared that they're not really as good as they made themselves out to be and they're going to be found out as a fraud. And Their self-worth issues come up from the dark depths of their psychology and tell them that they're not good enough. And What it means is they start to give everything away for free or discount their work or not tell people about it. In doing so, they undermine its value. You know, if I was to tell people that my coaching was $10 an hour, they're going to assume that it's crappy. And they'd be kind of right to assume that because if I have the confidence so low that I only charge that amount for my time, it shows you how much value I think it is. So it's the same for you. If you're charging rock bottom and giving stuff away and giving out discounts and coupons, begging people to come and get your service, what you're basically saying is my service sucks and I can't give it away. And then you're going to believe it because that's what you're doing. You might avoid the big hitter clients. You know, there might be people who pay you way more for your services than most people. Yet you avoid them and you settle for those easy clients that you see as needing you. You take the easy, low-paying, high-maintenance clients over the, the big winners. So you end up with poor-performing clients, difficult clients, and no money. Awesome situation to be in, I'm sure you'll agree. The key here is you don't actually need to overcome your psychological issues. I don't need to prove to myself that I'm an awesome coach. All I need to do is allow people to judge for themselves. That's all I need to do. I don't need to decide, you know, oh, a guy would never pay me 20 grand for coaching. I just need to go and coach that guy and then ask him for 20 grand. If he says yes, then I have to trust that he knows what he's doing. I didn't manipulate him. He thought that that was a good idea. He obviously finds that much value in it. It's not really for me to say. That's the great thing about a service-based business is it's not up to you whether or not you're valuable. It's up to your clients. You don't need to figure that out. If you're a musician, you don't need to go, oh my God, am I a good player? I'm I'm not as good as those jazz musicians. No, no. What you need to do is you make a song and you play it for people. And if they're like, yeah, I'd listen to that again, then they find it valuable And it doesn't matter what other musicians are like. So if they say that you're valuable, trust that they know what they're talking about. They're not giving you feedback on yourself. They're giving you feedback on the value that they got from your service. And you can't argue with them about that. I once sat down with a coaching client and we made a list. We just finished 10 sessions and and we made a list of all the things that had changed for him in those 10 sessions. You know, he was now able to tell people he was attracted to them, he was able to stand up for himself at work and was able to build new friendships and so on. And next to each of these items, I said, you know, how much would you pay for this if it was like a pill you could take to have this or a button you could push, it was just instant. How much would you pay? And we went through and we put a price next to each of these things. It ended up coming to the total cost of about 50 grand. I had charged him $1,500 for coaching. He got 50 grand's worth of value out of it. Now, I can't argue with him that that's how much value he puts on it. Because he put the value on it. Right? Trust that people know what they like and they know what value is and that they'll pay for it when it's valuable and they won't when it's not. All you need to do is show up and provide it shamelessly and then let them judge for themselves. And even if someone doesn't find you valuable, it just means that one person didn't. So you move on from them because you're not the good fit for them. And you go find someone else. 
but you're not the judge of your value. So don't deprive people prematurely because you've decided that you're not good enough. I see this happen all the time. Somebody won't reach out to a potential client. They say, oh, but, you know, I'm not good enough for him. It's like, well, you didn't even let him choose. You might have just deprived him of a valuable service that would have improved his life. You took that away from him. That's not very fair. That's not very kind of you. And every time you get a new client, raise your prices by 10%. I don't care what the market average is or whatever bullshit you tell yourself about why they've got to stay low. Just do it. When people stop paying you, then you'll know you've gone too far. Okay, But if they still keep paying you, it means they think it's worth it. And you can't argue with them. Next problem. The fear of being disliked or even just being noticed. There's a kind of build it and they will come fallacy that kills a lot of businesses. What this really means is people think if you can just put something together and sit there passively that the clients will come to you. And that way you won't have to risk actually getting rejected and being noticed and being disliked. Nope, that's not how it's going to go. At the start of a service-based business, you're going to have to go out there, metaphorically speaking, knocking on doors, at least at first, until you build up a profile where people come to you. It took about five years for me to get to the point where people started coming to me from YouTube and my podcast and stuff, and now it's pretty steady flow. But the first five years was me going to them. And it's important that you do develop the ability to go to others. Even if you get an easy win right out of the gate, some people go to start their business and maybe a piece of content goes viral or something and they get a flood of business kind of for free. But what we've seen with coronavirus and such is that you might be put in a position where you're wiped back to zero. You need to know how to rebuild. It's a very important skill for you to know how to build your business one person at a time with you initiating. There's really no way around that. And that's why I say if you're looking to start a business but you don't want to take that particular step, you're not willing to do that work, don't start a business. Just be an employee. If you're not willing to go up to people who have never heard of you and say, hey, I've got this thing I want to talk to you about and be willing to hear them say no or leave me alone or ignore your message or whatever, then don't start a business, please. Because you need that skill. You need it. Look, if no one hates you, you're doing it wrong. It's one of the things I learned right from the beginning. I used to put out this content that was nice. It was nice content. Beautiful content. Best content, as Trump would say. And it got me zero clients because it was nice. Because I was trying not to offend anyone. Because I didn't want to stand out and be controversial in any sort of way. Now, I get dislikes on my YouTube channel and I get nasty emails and I get comments and so on. Because now I'm being much more honest and much more authentic. And if you're going to be true about what you stand for in this service, you're going to get people dislike you, and that's actually a sign that you're on the right track. Now, if everyone dislikes you all the time, that's a sign you're on the wrong track. But if about 30% of the responses you get are, like, aggressively negative, and about another 40% of people are just ignore you or play passive, and then 30% are kind of positive, you're probably doing it right. That's about right. Put it this way, of the 100 people you reach out to, especially at the beginning before you know how to qualify people, about 80% of them are going to be either a negative or lukewarm response. They're not going to become a client. And of the 20% remaining, they're going to be a positive response that escalates from just a positive response all the way through to high-paid service. 
So you don't need to worry about everyone liking you because they're not. In fact, if everyone likes you, your business is doomed. You're doing it wrong. You're not going for a broad audience. You, you, you are going to disqualify and, and offend people. You're going to cut a lot of people out with your particular flavor and your approach. That's good. Don't worry about it. You, your tiny specific niche of very, very specific people is drawn from a lot of 7.8 billion people in the world, thanks to the internet. You're not going to have a scarcity of people that like what you do. If even 0.1% of the world thinks that you're a good idea, that's enough business to keep you going for the rest of your life. Okay? So don't worry about being broad. The more broad you are, the less clients you'll have. I promise you that. The way to deal with it is exposure therapy. Just a little bit more honest every day in the stuff you put out there and the way you do your thing. You know, if you're a musician, slowly move away from the commercially acceptable stuff to the music you really want to create. Your audience size will go down, but their engagement will go up. Okay. If you're a writer, start putting your ideas a bit more honestly out there. You'll start getting more dislikes, but you'll start to get true fans. You just build it up a little bit at a time. And the great thing is, on the internet, when you get the haters, just block them. Fuck it. Ban them. Ignore them. It's not the same as helpful feedback. There might be some people who give you critical feedback that helps you grow. But all the trolls and haters, you don't need to have them in your life. You don't have to tolerate them at all. I do once a week. I go on my YouTube channel. I read through the comments. And anyone who's too nasty, I just block them. Fuck it. Goodbye. They have no assistance whatsoever. Now, people who are critical, but in a rational, helpful way, I'll pay attention and interact with them. Sometimes they even become clients, but mostly they don't. What I'm really looking for is a person who's like, oh my God, I'm th- thank you so much for making this video. You changed my life. That's the person I'm going to interact with. And all the people who hate me don't matter compared to that person. Next issue, distractions, shiny object syndrome. Looking for the easy way out. Websites, advertising, email funnels, social media marketing, paying someone three grand to do ads for you and all that kind of stuff. That's really just you desperately looking for the easy way out of reaching out to people and getting rejected. Here's the thing you've got to understand, at least until you're making six figures a year. If something doesn't directly build a relationship with someone by providing valuable service to them, then it's a luxury item and you should ignore it, discard it, put it aside for later. Till you're in five figures a month, everything you do should be whittled down to that which directly builds a relationship or supports you in doing so. Anything else is just waste of time, noise, energy and money. You don't need a website. You don't need a business card. You don't need a social media marketing team. In fact, until you're making 250k a year, you should have no employees whatsoever. Just you. You don't need anything but the ability to find one person and serve them. That's the only thing you need, and the only thing you should be paying for are the tools that allow you to do that. But you don't even need many of them. Most of the stuff is free. Facebook, free. LinkedIn, free. WhatsApp, free. Starting a YouTube channel, free. Starting a podcast, almost free. Right? There are so many ways which you can provide value that cost you nothing at all, and you don't need anything more than that. Anything more is probably just you trying to throw money at the problem in the hope that you won't have to do the difficult reaching out work. 
Like I said, if you can't do that difficult work, do not start a business. Please. For my sake. For my sanity. Or do a product-based business where all you care about is money. I mean, you can just do it that way, but I'm not talking to people like that. If you don't have enough time to do all this stuff, then you're wasting time somehow, somewhere. You only need a couple of hours a day to reach out to potential people and serve them. That's it. That's your whole business model. If you can't find those couple of hours a day, then you're spending your time doing some shit and it's eating up your day. Even now that I'm in the six-figure range and I have a full caseload of clients, I only average about six hours a day's work. I could do more, but I'm not going to. Now, when I first got started, I was doing like 10-hour days, six days a week. That was ridiculous, and I shouldn't have done that. I was wasting a lot of time. I was building a website, even though I'm not a web designer. I was ordering my business cards. I was doing Google ads and Facebook ads and reading books on marketing tricks and techniques and sales and all that shit, and none of it needed to be done, and it was all a waste of my time, money, and energy. All that mattered was me reaching out to the next person, helping them with their life, Offering a coaching session. That's it. If you're a massage, it means reaching out to someone and saying, Hey, can I come do a massage on you? See if you like it. If you're a musician, it means putting together a piece of music for someone saying, Hey, I made this for you. If you like it, I can make you some more. It's real simple. That's it. And you only need to pay for the equipment that helps you to do that. And nothing more than what you need as well. If you're a physiotherapist, you don't need to be spending... 50 grand a month on some fancy studio. You just need a couple of weights, a bench, and your fucking lounge cleared out. Really, you should be doing this on the lowest possible budget that you can manage. You're in the blue sky stage if you're under 100k per year, which means all that you should be doing is reaching out to people one at a time. You don't be doing group programs or email lists or fucking webinars or any of that bullshit. Right? Just find the next person to serve, serve them. Next person, serve them, one at a time. Reserve the people you're already serving who are responsive, people who are cold or unresponsive, put them aside and find someone new. Just keep doing that. Once you've served someone, they go, wow, that's valuable. Then you offer them your paid service. They say yes or no, sweet. If they say yes, you hire them, or they hire you, I should say. If they say no, you go, no worries, and move on to the next person. That's it. It's your whole business model. A couple of hours a day max is needed for that. The last problem people have, limiting who's allowed to be a client. A lot of people go into this thinking it has to be complete strangers. Couldn't dare charge my friends or associates or ex-work colleagues or family for any of this. So I have to find people I've never heard of before. It's ridiculous. Strangers aren't the best source. You're just scared of being judged. Think to the olden days, which is basically anything from 1900 before. Everybody lived in villages and towns. They knew every single one of their clients personally. That's been the case for many thousands of years in, in business until very recently. And that worked just fine. You don't need strangers as clients. You need people who think of your service as valuable. And that could be anyone. Right now I'm coaching a cousin of mine. I'm coaching someone I used to go partying with and went to school with. I'm coaching people I've had dance sessions with. Half the people I coach at any given time, I knew them before coaching. Why wouldn't I focus on those people? I've got a valuable service to provide. Why would I skip over the people I care about the most to provide it to strangers? Now, I'm not saying strangers don't 
make up a valuable part of my business, but they quickly become friends. And they remain friends after we're done a lot of the time. Get it out of your head that these need to be people you're totally distant from or detached from. Your whole business could be made up of people that you've already met in your life. You don't need to market out to anybody else. Could be like, put it this way, think of all the people you went to high school with. Imagine if all of them paid you for your service. How long would that keep you going? So start with them. They'll know you. That being said, don't ruin a friendship by trying to sign someone you love up to you know, an MLM scheme or something like that. But for the most point, you don't need to put off your friends with needy sales. Don't sell them anything, just serve them and leave them to decide for themselves. Your cousin's starting a YouTube channel, you make him a nice piece of music for his intro video and you say, hey, you want any more music? You let me know. And you leave it up to him. He goes, yeah, I want more. You say, well, if there's any more, I have to charge you for it. But if you just want that free bit, you can keep that. He goes, no, no, I want more. Let's pay for it. I go, well, okay, here's my prices. If he thinks it's unfair and you're not being pushy, he'll tell you. Right? He's not going to pay if it's unfair. As long as you're not pushy and needy for money, you'll let them come to you, but you'll also be the one initiating. Especially when you're first getting started, you're going to need some guinea pigs, some practice. When I first got started, I coached a bunch of people for free just to see if I was a good coach and if it was worth doing, they got value from it. Some people are going to pay you with things other than money. They'll pay you with referrals. They'll pay you with feedback, testimonials. They'll pay you with validation. Whatever it is. Serve everyone you know before you start looking for complete strangers. Make sure you've contacted everyone at your high school and everybody who's a friend of a friend and every friend and every family member, both close and distant. Everybody on your Facebook. Make sure every one of them has said no to you before you start thinking, okay, now I need to go find some strangers. Remember, if if nothing else, they're practice. You don't have to actually sell anything to them. But they are people you can serve and they're people you probably most want to serve. Now to finish up today, I'm going to give you a couple of really practical guides. One on money and one on managing your daily routine. Now, money. The first thing you need to figure out is your minimum survival salary. So the amount of money that you'll pay yourself, and yes, you'll be paying yourself right from the beginning. Don't deprive yourself for your business. That's a stupid idea. What you need to figure out is what is the minimum you need to survive? Not thrive, not have a fun, playful, exciting life, but survive. What do you need to eat, to live? What does your family need to get by? Without fancy stuff, without living beyond your means, without living in a bigger house than you need to live in, or buying a more expensive car than you need to drive around, or buying clothes that you don't need to survive, or food that's fancy, or anything like that. Get down to the bare minimum that you could get by on. Because that is 50% of what you need to earn in your business. That'll give you the marking point. How much income, before anything goes out, how much income your your business needs to make. Because you are going to pay yourself half. 50% of your revenue is your salary. This all comes from the book Profit First by uh, Mike McAllowitz. And uh, you can get the details there. But that is all you really need to know. It costs you $2,500 to live per month, be a minimum. Then you need to make $5,000 a month in your business. 
You won't make this weight from the first month, but you need to be heading up to that before your savings runs out. Now, no more than 30% of your total revenue should be operating expenses. Your business should not cost more than 30% of the total revenue. If it does, you need to reduce your expenses. And if it doesn't, you need to increase them. 30% is about right. You should be spending about 30% of your total revenue to make your business run. This does not include the 50% that you pay yourself. It does not include the 15% you need to set aside for taxes. And do not touch that money no matter what happens. Get a loan before you touch that money. Every piece of income you make, assume about 15% of it is going to taxes. Put that money aside. Lock it down. Do not touch it. And 5% for profit. No matter how you're doing, put 5% aside for profit. And if you can't manage that, put at least 1% aside. Okay, always be profitable. Any excess you make above and beyond this for the first year, the first couple of years, you put it aside for a rainy day. Because you're going to have some rough months, you're going to have things go up and down, you're going to have mistakes, and you need a buffer. So you should be living as minimalistic as possible for the first couple of years of your business. And if you do better than that financially, just put that money aside in case it's a fluke. And in case you're going to have a rough like season or something. See, I didn't do that. I, I had a good run right at the beginning. So I increased my spending to match my income. And then my income died away, but my spending stayed up there. And now I'm paying off a loan because of that mistake. Mistake was not that my business wasn't making enough money, is that I was spending too much. And you probably are too. And I wasn't putting aside for taxes, which meant I was fucked when tax time came around. Because I had nothing prepared for it. So follow that. 50% goes to you as a salary. That's your personal finances. You do what you want. 30% is set aside for operating expenses, 5% for profit, 15% for taxes, and never give a discount, okay? You can't discount a service because it's always a high value, so don't give discounts. Just never do it right from the beginning and you'll never have to do it. So that's the basic money survival guide. Finally, the daily routine. 5% rule, okay? If 5% of the people you reach out to and serve become clients, how many do you need to serve to cover your minimum basic income? And if that number is too many, then you need to raise your prices. So let me break that down for you. If I reach out to 100 people, about 5 of them eventually are going to become coaching clients. So if I need 5 coaching clients a month to survive financially, then I need to reach out to 100 people a month to survive financially. And what if it was much less? Let's say I needed 20 clients to survive financially, which would mean that I'd have to reach out to, what, 400 people a month. That's too many. So I'm going to increase my coaching prices so that I don't need 20. I only need 10 or 5. That's the kind of calculation you can do to figure out how many people you need to reach out to. And you can turn this into just a numbers game. Have I served 5 people today or 10 people today? And that's the only thing you need to care about. You don't need to count your income you don't need to try and get clients you just try to serve the minimum number of possible more than that every day in terms of the hierarchy of service you serve your current clients first anyone who already works with you and pays you gets the best of you because most of your work is actually going to be repeat business you don't need to keep finding new clients you need to serve your current clients so well that they don't want to leave 
You'd be amazed at how few clients can sustain a service business. A few loyal, die-hard clients is all a service business needs. So you should be constantly focused on making sure that your current clients are wowed by you and constantly see you as worth more than what they pay. And then you don't have to worry about losing them. Next, the service to others. People that may become clients or people you just want to serve. And then taking care of yourself, third. So every day there should be some time taken aside so that you are functioning well. Like I said, if you're working 10 hours a day, then you're neglecting yourself and you'll lose money because of it. So take good care of yourself and your business will survive because your business is you. It's a service, so you need to be good. Only once your clients are served, your other favorites are served, and yourself is served, do you do anything else if there's time left over. Websites and pish like that. Always treat your clients 20% better than they expect you to. You know, just a little guide, rule and guide of thumb. Guiding rule of thumb? How do you say it? Whatever. Make sure your people go, wow, that was so much better than I thought. Always. And you won't have to worry about losing repeat business. There's a basic system you set up. First off is what you might call the reach out. The first bit of value you provide to someone. Maybe you answer a question. Maybe you recognize them for their strengths. Maybe you solve a problem for them with a piece of content. Whatever it is. From there, you invite them to try your service, a trial, okay? A coaching session that they don't pay for, a 20-minute massage just to give a taste for it, you know, a two-minute sample of the music you could create for them, whatever it is, you give them a taste, a real taste. It's not holding back. You give them the full capability of what you could do, and they get to keep that. They never have to pay for that. They don't owe you anything. But after it's done, they, you both assess how you felt about that work together. And if you both love it, then you enroll them to do the paid version of it. And that's your whole system. That's your day spent giving service to people, moving them up that ladder. So that is essentially the complete guide to starting a service-based business and sustaining it successfully. If you want more information, get in touch with me, Dan, or at brojo.org. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you all next time. Cheers.